the Transport Workers Union Local 513 podcast with Second Vice President Brian Parker is online and streaming. Take it away, Brian. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TWU Local 513 podcast. Joining me today is President Greg Cozy. Thanks for joining me again today, Greg. Thank you for having me, Brian. All right, let's uh, get to the news of the day. We got information last night. NMB declined the raid, if you will, for Ampha. So the Ampha drive is dead. Let's discuss that a little bit, if you will. Sure. First of all, I want to say that I'm very proud that the association was able to be triumphant. I think that from a personal perspective, from a professional perspective, I think it's a real shame that an association or union or whatever they are, for them to raid a sister or brother union. I think that it was a waste of resources. It was a waste of of a lot of people's time. I think that now, though that it's over, it's time for us to try to reconcile with folks. Time for us to figure out a way to get those people who are disenfranchised with the TWU to hear their voices and then get them back on track with the TWU. Enough with the divisiveness, enough with the going down that different path. We are all union brothers and sisters, and I think it's time for us to, to start behaving that way. Yeah, I don't disagree. So yeah, I want to mention back in 2019, Gary Schauble and I co-organized an Aircraft Maintenance Outsourcing Summit. It was about to stop the outsourcing, you know, sending these jobs to foreign soil. We reached out to all the unions or associations that represented aircraft mechanics. And again, the goal was to uh, shed light on the subject, to try to get some movement on Capitol Hill, to try to bring that work back home and certainly to stop it from leaving the U.S. And we reached out to all the organizations and AMFA was one of them. And uh, we had a, a very detailed conversation, you know, about their history at AMFA, about raiding other unions and everything like that. And, you know, we were given the word that, hey, they were beyond that, that, the, that they were going to go after the unorganized and they weren't going to continue to go after workers that were already organized. And that was in 2019. Here we were, I believe it was later in 2019, maybe early 2020, when when they started coming after our mechanics. But the disheartening part was, is uh, although they had told us that they were beyond the rating, while we were in Washington, D.C., uh, this event was held at the National Press Club there in D.C. While we were in D.C., we found out later that AMFA actually turned in cards to the NMB to try to take the Horizon Air mechanics away from the Teamsters while we were there. So... Dis- you know, it, yeah, hindsight being, hindsight being 2020, it doesn't uh, doesn't surprise me now. Obviously, they have had a long history of of that type of behavior. And, you know, it's pretty evident in the past two and a half years that we've been fighting them. So like, again, I said, it's a it's a very unfortunate thing. It's not really how you imagine a, an association, a union, whatever they are, would behave. The goal is to try to get more non-unionized folks involved in a union, not to try to convert or raid existing unions. And so I know that's not what the TWU stands for. I know it's not what other credible unions stand for. And so, again, like I said, I'm glad that this uh, this whole episode is over. I'm pleased to uh, read the ruling. And I think, again, it's just it's time to move forward. I don't disagree. And at the end of the day, their members deserve better. Their members didn't deserve all the resources that was that was put towards this venture. So it's unfortunate that, that their members, that that's the leadership they have. We'll move on past that. Like you say, uh, we can put that to bed and move on and be better for it. Let's talk about some things that directly affect our members uh, here at American. 
I know the the company has a new vaccine incentive. You want to talk about that? Yes. So uh, just to get everybody the kind of the context, the original vaccine incentive closed on August the 31st, and uh, it included uh, 5,000 thank you points, which is the equivalent of about $50. And uh, also you were eligible for a uh, paid vacation day to be used in uh, 2022. The changes to the policy were announced, I think, today. You can read it on JetNet. Basically, what it says is that if you are getting the vaccination between now and the end of October, you're eligible to receive a vacation day for the remainder of this year. And also the uh, $50 thank you points. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, if you've already gotten the incentive, you can now use that day this year? Yes. The way, I, the way that we read it is you have the option, if you've already submitted it before August the 31st, that you have the option to either use the vacation day this year or next year. In effect, just move it up to this year as opposed to have to wait to 2022. Okay, and they've also made a change in the pandemic leave and the guideline for that in regards to the vaccine. You want to talk about that? For me personally, this is kind of a, a touchy change to the pandemic leave. As we all know, the pandemic leave throughout 2020 and the early parts of 2021 were that if you came into contact with someone or believed that you had contracted the COVID-19 virus, that you would apply for a pandemic leave and if granted, you would receive 14 days of pay under the pandemic leave policy. The change to the policy, as we read it through JetNet today, is that, and, and again, this, in my opinion, is a, a way to force people to get the vaccine. So if you're vaccinated and believe that, you know, you've come into contact or you have indeed contracted the virus, then you're eligible for pandemic leave and uh, all of the uh, benefits that follow the policy. If you're unvaccinated and contract COVID-19, the policy now has been changed and you're no longer eligible for pandemic leave. That in fact, you have to use your own sick time or just time away from work. Now, from my perspective, again, I believe that this is management's attempt to ensure that everybody gets vaccinated. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, Delta Airlines put out a uh, change to their healthcare policy where if you're unvaccinated, and I forget what point, I'm, I'm not sure if it's at the beginning of the year or at some point this year, but at some point your health insurance will increase by about $200 a month. Again, kind of getting away from what I think United has done, which was to enforce the vaccination policy and, and say that everyone has to be vaccinated. I think this is Delta's attempt to sort of force people into being vaccinated. And also believe that this is American Airlines' attempt to force people into being vaccinated. From a personal perspective, I'm vaccinated. Uh, I believe that we should all be vaccinated. I know that you are as well. I'm actually looking forward to the booster whenever I'm eligible to get the booster shot. I do have an issue with a company forcing someone to be vaccinated. Mind you, I would prefer to work around folks who are vaccinated. That is my personal preference. But I look at it from a different perspective. I think that at, at some point, you know, you, you ask yourself, when does it stop? So if American Airlines insists that everyone is vaccinated, then what's next? You know, what would be the next requirement that would somehow possibly infringe upon my personal civil rights? And that's where I, that's kind of the energy that I have about it. 
from a personal perspective, I think everyone should be vaccinated. The best way, in my opinion, to avoid getting the, the virus is to be vaccinated. So, but again, I, I do have some trepidation when it comes to a company mandating something like that. So, yeah, and I echo your sentiments on that as well. Moving past pandemic leave, let's talk a little bit about our outstations and uh, we'll start with San Antonio and kind of work our way up. Okay, so San Antonio, just like Austin, they are in the midst of growing, which we're very pleased to learn that American Airlines is expanding the schedule in both of those cities. That means that we are expanding our membership base. More folks are being hired as fleet service agents there, more crew chiefs. Both cities are thriving. And in fact, I think, the, and speaking for both airports, we're limited by the, the amount of space that we're able to rent. If we were able to get more gates and get more infrastructure there at each airport, I think the sky would be the limit at both airports. So we're very excited about what's going on in both of those cities. As far as Nashville is concerned, Nashville was one of the cities that were brought back through the, uh, new, the contract. I keep wanting to say the new contract. We're almost 18 months in. So. But Nashville was one of the cities that was brought back through, through the contract, contractual language, and uh, Nashville is thriving. A little bit of a challenge right now because of COVID. Nashville was pretty immune to the outbreaks early on, but there have been quite a few of our members there who've contracted the virus in the past week, actually. So uh, we'll send our best out to them. As far as the other stations, and while we don't necessarily represent these stations, we have members in those stations. For example, Raleigh, Durham, Houston, New Orleans. You know, I, and I don't like to use this phrase because I think it's a little trite, but certainly our prayers go out to our members in New Orleans. Everybody's abreast of what's happening as far as the, uh, the hurricane that hit over the past uh, couple of days. That city is still suffering. A lot of our members are out of their homes. And so we just want to continue to give them our thoughts and let them know that we are working on some kind of relief effort for them, reaching out with the company as well. And also I've been working with AA Labor as far as uh, provisions of the contract, Article 14, it speaks on adverse conditions day uh, to ensure that there, there's some type of uh, methodology so that they can receive some, some pay. Uh, so that's uh, that's kind of what we've been working on for them. Right. And uh, just like the outstations, a lot of growth, a lot of new members. It's an exciting time to bring new members on. We're glad that the airline is growing. It's big changes coming, obviously, to the uh, outstations and now to the big hubs. So let's talk about DFW and, and what's happened uh, in the past few months and then what's projected for the future. DFW, as we've always said, is the linchpin for American Airlines. I stated at the State of the Airline meeting in June that uh, DFW has to be the flagship for the airline and DFW has to be treated differently. This board has been saying that for the past two and a half, three years. We've been shouting it from the mountaintops. At every State of the Airline, at every meeting that we've had at headquarters, we've reached out to the media. We've talked to our colleagues, you know, throughout the system. Anytime that we've had an opportunity to articulate that message, we've done that. You know, the reality is that DFW is different. If you really want to put it in perspective, in my opinion, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport really is the DNA of American Airlines. 
And so it is the 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 biggest legacy American Airlines hub, the biggest American Airlines station. And there's a lot of lot of rich history at DFW. And so for the, the years that I've been an employee for American, one thing has been consistent with and that is that as DFW goes, so goes the system. And so finally, I believe, and I'm cautiously optimistic to say this, but for the first time in my memory, we now have management agreeing with us. For many years, and I'll speak for the past four years that I've been in office here at 513, it's been an uphill battle, an uphill struggle. We fought against all of the radical changes that have occurred at DFW. At some point, it's almost a reinvention of the wheel, but those changes in our opinion, and has always been our opinion, have been counterproductive to the growth and to the success of DFW Airport. And so for the first time in, in recent history, we now have senior leadership at American listening to us and making the, I think, very painful in some respects, really realization that we were right and that DFW has to be treated differently. And so now the question becomes what does that look like? What does that really mean to senior leadership? And so to our members, I think that you guys have seen the influx of new employees since the beginning of May. If I had to attach a number to it, it was almost 400 part-timers have been brought in to DFW. My biggest fear was that DFW would become a part-time heavy station. And so when I brought that concern to senior leadership at the hub, and this is very um, unusual, but within a 36-hour time frame, we were able to convince management to bring in 60 full-time immediately. And then a few weeks after that, there was another requisition uh, through the system-wide transfer list for another uh, 105 full-timers. And so, as you may have seen throughout the summer, not only were we bringing in part-time new hires, but every so often there were requisitions on the system list for full-time agents, crew chiefs as well. We've added crew chiefs. So there's some recognition as far as our concerns with the lack of headcount. The other issue that we've always addressed since we've gone to dynamic staffing is that Dallas is not set up for dynamic staffing for various reasons. Uh, just the geography of the airport alone, the fact that it takes you roughly 22 minutes to drive from the furthest gates. Uh, no other airport has that that kind of layout. We work in, we're working out of four concourses. So really, each concourse is its own distinct airport in a way. We have three bag rooms, and if you count the operation over at, at B, once it gets started, we'll have four. No other airport has four unconnected bag rooms. So there are inherent challenges with the way DFW is set up. And so we've always been against dynamic staffing. So finally, mid-summer, there was again a recognition that perhaps there was a different way to do the dynamic staffing. We've been making that suggestion all along. There's now been a recognition from senior leadership at American that we have to do it differently. So for the past month, there's been a test. There's been some enhancements done to GS real time in the C bag room. Started in C, it spilled over to A, and now they're starting to do those enhancements over in D concourse as well. And so they slowed the dynamic staffing down. Now it's not perfect, but it's certainly better than it was at the beginning of the summer. And there are some differences in the AM and PM, which they've really got to get that fine-tuned. 
But we're starting to see, and I think the most important part of what I'm saying is that we're starting to see where senior leadership is listening to the members. And that's the most important thing. We've got people who have 35, 40 years with the airlines, and we have people who have 35 and 40 weeks with the airlines. And everybody brings their own experience. And so what we have to do as a union is we have to listen to their voices and then we have to articulate their concerns to leadership. And we, we do that on a daily basis. So it's, it's good to see that they're finally listening to the voices of the people. You said it best. You know, we've been telling them for years. Uh, you mentioned you've been in office for four years here at 513. And you're right. We've been telling them over and over and over. That won't work. We've tried this before, you know. I mean, we've been redundant of many things they've tried to change. But you and I were having a conversation yesterday, and uh, there seems to be another change other than what we've been telling them. Obviously, the actions of our members speak for themselves. They go out there day in and day out, and they, they do a very good job, and they want the operation to work. But you told me something yesterday when you are speaking to leadership of American that they found out something they didn't really know about the members at DFW. Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely, yeah. And, and I'm smiling because it's the, it's the thing that we've always known. I'm a very strong advocate for our members. I believe that we have, and it's no disrespect to the rest of the system, it's no disrespect to the rest of the TWU or anything else, but I firmly believe that we have the absolute best members, the best workers, the most conscientious workers in the system. I was pleasantly surprised to learn in recent, very recent conversations that I had with two senior leaders at American, David Seymour and J.C. Gufterson. They both said on separate occasions, we weren't in the same room at the same time, on separate occasions, they both said that the number one thing that they noticed during their visits to the ramp was the absolute dedication of the workforce. And they were surprised to learn that it wasn't about an individual. It was about the operation. Time and time again, when I, they interacted with our members, our members spoke of doing the operation better, needing the things to succeed, not from a personal standpoint, but from an operational standpoint. And uh, they were surprised to learn that people were so committed to making American uh, a great airline again, not to be an I told you so guy. But I told them, I said, this is what we've been talking about. When I would state that morale has never been so low or that when people were kind of ashamed to admit outside the airport that they worked for American Airlines, I wasn't lying. I mean, people, people who work at, a, at DFW, who work at DWH, we have an inherent pride. You know, DFW has always been the flagship of, of the system. And so there's been a pride attached to it. And so our members give a 110%. You know, they yell and scream, even at us. But that passion is part of what makes us so great is because everybody at DFW, all the people that we encounter, all of our members, they all want American to be successful. They all want American to be the number one airline. They all want to take pride in what they do. We all want to be able to go back into the community and wear our American Airlines uniforms again and be able to say, yes, I do work for American Airlines. And so uh, it was really interesting to hear them say that 
and it was weird in a sense because you know they were expecting something different but it was good to see that it wasn't contrived it was very organic as people would talk to them that it became apparent to them that our workforce loves American Airlines and you know it's a love hate thing because you you know who wants to be mandatorily held every day and there are aspects of the job that we don't like but ultimately everybody wants American to be successful and so they were able to see that for themselves that these people give 110% every day despite the challenges I couldn't say it enough, and I agree with you. We do have the best members in the industry, and that goes across to all airlines, in my opinion. You know, DFW is all I know. The members that know me, they know I'm very outspoken, and I have been for years, all the way to the top of the leadership at American. But I feel the same way. I want American to succeed. I want to be proud to wear the uniform. You know, I mean, it's fed my family for all these years, and so I'm very appreciative of what I have. I do stand up for our members. And, and, you know, you do, we'll continue to do that. But at the end of the day, we want American to be the best. So anything we've ever said or done has never been to the detriment of the airline. It's because we've seen the detriment that's been caused by some of the decisions. It's good to see that things are finally turning around. We're never going to get everything we want, but there'll be a hell of a lot better airline if they listen to the people who run it day in and day out. Absolutely. That's what we've been saying. You know, you listen to the folks who do the work. Yes, sir. Okay. I want to finish on a high note. And then if you have any housekeeping items, we'll get to those. Something that's always a good time, a real good time. And I don't want to just talk about the date, which is October 16th. We've got our picnic coming up here at DFW. And it's a lot of fun. You're smiling. Yeah, it's always, so. <laughs> I was thinking about the, the year we had the dunk tape. Yeah, and, uh, I ended up breaking a toe. <laughs> oh, <did you>? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the picnic, it's, a, it's always a lot of fun. It's an opportunity for our members to bring their families and some friends and just an opportunity for us to fellowship, be away from the airport and uh, kind of enjoy one another. Obviously, we didn't get a chance to do it last year because of the restrictions from the pandemic, but we're really looking forward to it this year. It's going to be at Circle R Ranch as usual. It's on October the 16th. You know, a lot of fun events for the kids, a lot of fun events for the family. There'll be two times in which we'll eat, but we have flyers out. You can come by the the, uh, union office to pick up your tickets from 8 o'clock in the morning to 4.30, Monday through Friday. But yeah, it's uh, it's always a fun event. So uh, I don't think we're going to have a dunk tank this year. (laughs) And if we do, then I guess I'll break another toe. The work hazard. <laughs> I want to clarify, you actually pick up the tickets at the Union Hall. Right. And uh, for our new members, I wish everyone knew the address by heart, but our address is in, we're in South Lake at 759 North Kimball Avenue, and the zip there at the Union Hall is 76092. So uh, we do encourage all our members to come by and get tickets. Love to see everybody. It's always great to see the retirees as well. Okay, well, it was uh, good to talk about the picnic. Like I say, it's, it's always good to see everybody. But one of the most important things we needed to talk about today is Allied. It's been a few weeks since we've talked about what was going on. The fuelers at Allied Aviation, for our newer members that don't know, we represent them as well. It's been a lot of changes at Allied. We're still, just like with American, we're not where we need to be. But it seems like we're getting that 
big cruise ship in the channel to kind of turn around a little bit. So talk about Allied Aviation. All right. So with Allied, as most of our members come to the membership meetings know, it's been a huge challenge for the past, I don't know, eight, maybe 10 years. 33. Yeah. And dealing with Allied's leadership, I'm very comfortable going on record and saying it is the absolute worst leadership team I've ever experienced. You know, my 30 plus years with American, three different stations, I've seen a, a lot of managers and a lot of leadership styles, and, and I've just never seen anything like, like Allied. So having said that, we have been reasonably successful in the past month or so with respect to getting some gains for our members at Allied. They have had some very tough struggles in getting people hired and retaining folks because of the wages that they were paying. And so uh, we were able to enter into what we call an interim wage agreement with Allied's leadership that provided across the board wage increases, hourly wage increases for all of our members. We believe that it was important not just to get people in the door, but it was also important that our members who had been there for years, that they also gain something out of this as well. And so that, that's part of the reason why there was an across the board increase. One of the first proposals or the absolute first proposal that they offered only included new hires and folks off the street. Now, this union said, well, wait a minute, hold it. What about our members who have sustained this company over the years? You know, what, what are you doing for those guys? And so after some pretty intense negotiation, uh, we were able to capture wage increases for everyone. The other part of it were bonuses. We were able to secure bonuses for our folks. And the initial bonus basically was only for the fuelers. It did not include mechanics. It did not include the utility people. And even within the fuelers, the bonuses were for those folks who who are being brought on and then only for the senior guys, for the guys in the middle, there was nothing for them. And so, you know, part of being a union, of course, is that we, we have to be the voice of all of our members and we represent everyone. So with that being kept in mind, we reached back out and said that any bonuses that were going to be offered, they had to be offered to everyone and not just in fueling, because I know according to them, that was the most challenging part of getting folks hired was in the fueling department. But everyone deserves a bonus. And so, again, after some pretty intense back and forths, we were able to secure bonuses for, for all of our members at Allied and also uh, bonuses that were based on seniority. And so there was some parity you know, throughout, and we feel pretty good about what we were able to accomplish. The second part of the gains that we have achieved in recent weeks is that we've started contract negotiations. And so for the folks out there who know, we've been prodding, poking, conjoling, trying to get allied to the negotiating table for the past 18 months. And so we were finally successful in doing that. We had our first session two weeks ago where we were able to tentatively agree on eight articles of the contract with others to come. So we'll continue that process. It's a long, arduous journey. We'll get there. We'll get to the end of the road. We're pleased to be able to give that portion of good news. But again, it's always a challenge with Allied. Yeah, and our members at Allied do phenomenal work. They show up every day and they make that airline run. I mean, the, the airplanes don't fly without fuel. 
and uh, they working incredibly hard and they damn sure deserve better than what they've gotten through the years from management. I want to touch on something here. You're a we guy. You're not an I guy. And I appreciate that. I know that you know as well as I do, you and I are a member of a very strong board. And we've already talked about we represent the best members in the industry, bar none. I mean, no one could convince me otherwise. But I want to take a minute here to tell you that uh, I appreciate your leadership. Uh, you've done a great job. Like I say, I mean, you don't do things alone. Uh, you don't do things in a vacuum. Uh, but you represent us very well, so I'm very proud to sit here with you and, and be able to tell you that. Well, I appreciate that very, very much, brother. <laughs> I really do. I'm, I'm, I've been blessed to be around a tremendous board. Each of us have our unique abilities and skills. And sounds a bit clicheic, but we all bring you know something different to the table. But the one thing is we all sit at the same table, and it's really an honor to sit with you guys at the board level and a bigger honor to represent our members. All right, before we go, anything else? So if you come to the, uh, the membership meetings, I usually talk about some housekeeping issues, right. housekeeping items. And I think our biggest housekeeping item is that we're very pleased to announce that we will be celebrating our 75th anniversary the month of September. Local 513 is 75 years old. I kind of look at right now, <laughs> there's gray hair and wrinkles everywhere. But, but yeah, I'm very pleased to, to announce that the local is, has been around that long. We, we started at Love Field back in 1946, representing American Airlines workers. Interestingly enough, they talked about organizing and forming a union here and joining the TWU in a bar that was owned by a, a supervisor who worked for American Airlines. And so it was close to Love Field and the guys would congregate there after work and they talked about what being in a union would bring to them. That was the genesis of it. That's where it started. And so over the years, we've represented a lot of class and craft. Uh, at one point, we had aircraft maintenance. We had, of course, our facility maintenance and ground service and but we also represented almost 20 different stations over the course of time. And uh, a lot of people have passed through Local 513, a lot of fantastic people that we've had the pleasure of working with and working alongside and a lot of great union reps, a lot of legends in the business. And so uh, 513 has been at the forefront of unionized av aviation. For me to be here at this time and at this moment, it's humbling. But yes, we are celebrating our 75th anniversary. To kind of commemorate that, we will be passing out special t-shirts on Labor Day. We think it's appropriate to do so. So we'll be at the airport. I think it's going to be from 10 o'clock until 6 or 7 in the evening. We'll be passing out the t-shirts. We'll uh, announce the location a little bit later. Just something to commemorate our 75th anniversary and uh, i think what better day to do it than on labor day absolutely i will caution uh with covid it's hard to get things we did get uh, a lot of t-shirts if we run out we can get more so hopefully everyone understands uh you know if we run out of shirts all right so anything else before we go i think that just about covers it we've had a long summer i think that we should be very proud of the work that we've done it's been very challenging. Of course, every summer here at DFW, we, we have to deal with the, the weather, whether it's 100-degree uh, days or if it's the rolling thunderstorms or you know, whatever. But we've had an unprecedented amount of mandatory overtime. 
We've seen crews, you know, be bounced around under dynamic staffing. Management tried to implement the boss system in each bag room. There were a lot of internal and external challenges. And I will say that the membership at Local 513 met and surpassed each one of them, as we always do. And so uh, my message to everyone is twofold. One of gratitude. Thank you for the job that you do, commitment that you've all made to one another and to the, the tenets of unionism. And then my second message is one of hope. I hope that we will continue to be good brothers and sisters to one another and to take care of each other. It's super important that we look out after the new hires. And it's super important that we say goodbye to those members who have taken early outs. It's super important that we recognize the fact that we, we are all bound together by one thing or the other. And if nothing else, then we're bound by unionism. And so I just want to you know, articulate that. And again, just everyone stay safe, stay hydrated, and stay focused. And with that, I want to thank everyone for listening and tune in next time for the TW Local 513 podcast. Everybody stay strong. For questions and comments about today's podcast, please email podcast at TWULocal513.org. For more information about TWU Local 513, please visit www.TWULocal513.org. Music licensed by Pond5. Today's podcast was produced, engineered, and edited by Tommy Engel. Thank you.